0: I was standing in the bathroom of my own space. I looked into my own eyes and I couldn't tell you anything about who I was. I had absolutely no sense of identity. I had absolutely no self-worth. Um, I had money in the bank. I had the job. I had the, you know, a car. I had, I had everything that materialistically looked great, but my heart was completely absent. My emotion was completely absent. Welcome to Life is Love
1: School. Hi everyone, welcome back to Life is Love School. I have Terry Brazella here with me. She is a performance and mindset coach. I'm really excited to have her because she's somebody who experienced narcissistic abuse firsthand and now she's helping people learn how to use holistic methods to heal themselves. Welcome Terry. Thank you so much, May. How are you? I'm doing well. Happy New Year. This is the first of the new year. Yeah, happy new year
0: to you as well.
1: Yeah. So (laughs) we're gonna cover a bit of a heavy topic here because our group here is all childhood abuse survivors, and many of us have had experiences similar to yours. We're in adult life, we inadvertently also attracted people that are abusive, and then we stayed around for a little too long. So could you share your story with our group here?
0: Sure. um, Absolutely. Uh, So I had been involved in a narcissistic relationship for 12 years. Uh, I had no idea that I was in a narcissistic relationship. It was probably about six years into it where then I actually started to see different signs and I got some red flags and I ignored them because I. it's not that I was in the face of la-la land. I was in the face of fear. And I didn't know what else to do. And so I just stayed. Um, I had followed the norms of society. I went to school. I went to college. I got the corporate job as um, uh, I was in global marketing. And I did um, worked for a company called Do Free. And I had a very affluent life. And I liked that lifestyle. And to leave that lifestyle meant giving all of it up. And it scared me too. So I almost felt like I was living on a double-edged sword where I didn't want to be where I was, but yet at the same time, I wanted to leave because I knew that what I was in was I wasn't happy. And I ignored the signs, as I said. Um, It started with uh, comments here and there, and the comments were always putting me down and telling me that I wasn't good enough or that I didn't look good in something or that you know my chest was too small, my butt was too big. Um, that my body image was not feminine. Um, it started uh, then also trickling into telling me that I don't know how to do things, you know the domestic chores that such as cleaning, doing laundry, cooking, stupid things of that nature that are minuscule, but yet at the same time, I was told that i I wasn't doing them properly or to the level of um expertise that he was doing them at. And I needed to meet his level of expertise. So while it was interesting because I knew that what I was listening to was abusive, I didn't at that moment in time know how to navigate it. I didn't know how to get around it. So I just stayed. And again, because of fear. Um, over the course of time it turned into, you know, the comments were every day. Um, my bank account was dwindling because he would take money from my bank account. And in essence, um, my friendships were, dwi- were dwindling. My relationship was my with my family was dwindling. Um, it truly became a space where I felt trapped and I was fearful. I didn't know what to do at that point in time. And we had moved from a townhouse to a home and it was in the home where uh, we had gotten into a verbal argument. Um, he very much was involved with drugs and alcohol. And so it was a night where he was completely high as a kite and the alcohol was definitely flowing through him. And it was it was an awful night, actually, um, where he had ended up um, coming after me and he stood on top of me in the stairwell. And um, he was holding me down. he was holding my wrists down and standing on top of my shins. And um, it, it was it, it was I remember parts of it, but I don't remember all of it. Um, there's still parts of my memory that escape me. Um, I remember feeling an, an immense amount of pain in my spine. And um, something had happened where I was able to break free, and we began running around the home and he chased me through the home. Um, The long and the short of that part of it is I had crouched down into the foyer and I literally saw my life flash in front of me. And it was a white light and I crouched down. I thought I was going to die at that moment in time. And um, it's ironic because it was also then at that very moment that there was stillness and it was within that stillness that I heard something tell me to leave. It said, get out and leave. And I listened to that voice. And I, that was, I would say, the very first step that I ever took to start making my way out of that pain and out of that cycle. And at that moment in time, I didn't know what I was going to do. I didn't know how I was going to do it. But I listened to that voice. And I took that voice with me everywhere I went. Um, and I, it's a space of curiosity. That got blossomed um, within me. Um, ironically, I was still I stayed for a little bit longer and I um, that voice telling me to leave where that's exactly what then I decided to do and I just tiptoed into a space of following my heart.
1: Well, wow, that's uh, quite a story. I feel like my heart like just stopped beating when I heard that that scene of him being physically violent with you. Um, I think for many of us that suffered physical abuse, it's a special kind of emotional abuse because you feel like your life is on the line. Yeah, The the feeling is very traumatic. and, And the fact that you can't remember parts of it, that's also very, very telling. I personally have experience with that growing up with a violent father. So I can very much relate to that. What would you tell ladies that are stuck in similarly abusive relationships, but are afraid to get out? What would you tell them?
0: that there is hope and as dark as their day may seem and as fragile as they may feel, uh, there's an ounce of hope still existing. Um, And to not be afraid to lean into that space and to not be afraid to lean on other people, Um, even if it means that the people that you lean on are not your family. but maybe your friends or your coworkers, if you have one person that you can even confide in, it lifts such a weight off of your shoulder. It lifts a weight off of your heart to not feel alone. And I know for the longest time I felt alone. And it wasn't until I met the first woman who endured something physical with her ex-husband, where I was like, wow, I'm, I'm like somebody else in this world. I'm not alone in this space. And it was beautiful. It was a beautiful connection of relatability. Um, So I think sharing that space of vulnerability and sharing the heart space is truly, truly important.
1: Yeah, to know that we're not alone is so important. I personally know quite a few women that are incredibly successful at work, but yet at home, they're being abused emotionally, and some of them are abused physically. And mm-hmm. the story is just heartbreaking. Did you feel like any of the fears that you had um, come to realization or was it more kind of what you imagine is scarier than the truth? Because, for example, one, one thing that stopped me from leaving as soon as I should have is I was like, well, I'm in my late 30s. This relationship isn't great. But, you know, what if I don't find anyone? But of course, um, you know, once I got out, I realized that if there are a lot of good people out there. I probably should have left earlier. So I'm just curious, you know, coming out of it now that you can take a look backwards, what mm-hmm. do you think about the fears that you had back then?
0: Uh, I had some of the same fears that you even mentioned of not finding uh, the right people or the right person um, and worrying also, would I be able to survive on my own? Would I be able to, you know, withstand um, a co- You know, the, a lifestyle. Um, it didn't have to be the same lifestyle, but would I be able to afford a lifestyle? Especially because over the years, I was told that I couldn't and that I wouldn't, and I would always need him, and I would always need to have his money. And it was, to a certain degree, I believed it. So that was a fear that I had had was that I would never amount to anything more than where I was, and to look back at that space and time of who I was then to where I am now I can definitely say that I have healed from that space and I have moved forward into that space and I've become a woman of empowering of empowerment and a woman who has developed her, her own voice and likes the sound of her voice and has been able to navigate the, the rough waters of abuse and come into you know setting sail into where I want to Um, And that is possible.
1: That is such a strong and empowering story. It's people like you that have overcome it and be willing to share your story with everybody. I think it it truly just lifts everybody's spirits to hear that it can be done. Somebody else has been through that path. So if you're listening to this and you're struggling, I hope that this gives you inspiration that even if it's uh, scary, just take a step at a time, things will kind of figure itself out. So, just just do it, and life is too short to live being abused. I was wondering, Terry, did you ever have any kind of thoughts into whether the fact that you have this, these kind of adult relationships, if it in any way ties back to your childhood?
0: yeah, it's uh, it's interesting because over the last you know thirty to forty five days, I've definitely been diving a little deeper into that space of my life and realizing some of the synergies where there's an overlap of you know a controlling nature or in um telling me what to do how to do it when to do it um the feelings of worthlessness uh the the depravity of emotional connection uh all of those were definitely apparent within my earlier years and my developmental years of upbringing and You know, I don't want to say that my parents are bad people because they're definitely good people, but they did the best that they could for me. The where it came from was the emotional depravity, I believe, for me of not knowing how to engage with my emotions, not knowing how to discuss them, not knowing how to take ownership of them. And then the behaviors, you know, I had anxiety and panic. I had um, outbreaks, I would have triggers, but I didn't know what a trigger was. So my outbreak was trigger-based from something that I realized happened when I was a child and the involvement with a parental figure or a parent specifically. And so that level of connection is where I'm at presently of even seeing the relationship of how the um, the involvement, that I had had with my family members and how it led me to being um, attracted to someone of a narcissist personality Um, and whether or not he has bipolar, I think he might have that as well, but there's different spaces definitely. I see a connection for sure. Yeah, that
1: makes a lot of sense. And I really encourage everybody that's listening to also double click into your childhood. Because it's very often you hear about re-victimization, which in psychology, it means that if you were a victim of childhood trauma or parents that either neglected you, abused you, or just didn't know any better, like Terry said, right? They may have tried their best, but um, if their parenting was inadequate, then it creates certain trauma in our psyche that would leave us vulnerable later in adult life to certain not so wholesome relationships. And I think what you just described, Harry, is what they call a very controlling parent. A controlling parent is literally saying, you know, my knees matter, your knees don't matter, please just always be happy. So your Thank job you. as a child is to be my emotional support animal, right? You don't have your own feelings, you don't have your own needs. is mommy or daddy knows best, just do it. And so when you're used to taking orders from mm-hmm. somebody else, when we see a person who's toxic in a similar way, we're like, wow, this seems very familiar. <laughs> I like it, it feels like we're soulmates, right? That feeling is a lot of times is a is a warning, it's a red flag. So definitely be careful if you feel like mm-hmm. I know this person from a past life, because you do. And that's not a good thing. Um, so exactly. just be careful. Yeah, Terry's story yeah, is, exactly. is very common.
0: And so in terms yeah. of like healing And it's very yourself, interesting too. You know, use- go ahead. Oh no, I was going to say, it's very interesting too, because the one thing that now I can even say sitting on this side of the equation is that the voids that I had had are the reason why I went into the relationship with the narcissist. And those voids came from my childhood. Yeah, knowing this is so crucial and it's so powerful that you did this work because people that don't do
1: this work their initial reaction, I was, I was definitely guilty of this is, oh, I just picked the wrong person. I just have to choose again and everything will work out. No, (laughs) the commonality might be you and who you're attracted to and who you decide to keep and who you refuse to set boundaries with. Because the other thing that you said was super powerful is when you grew up, you suppressed your own emotions because your parents didn't care. So you learn to suppress your feelings which means you suppress your needs, which means that you don't even know what you need. You don't even know that you're being offended. You're not being respected. And if you don't know that, you cannot push back. You can't set boundaries. And this person will just, you give them an inch and they want a a foot next day and the two foots, and then eventually it becomes more and more abusive. And that's how it goes on. So after you got out, um, you Mm -hmm. said that you looked into holistic methods to heal Can you talk a little bit about what helped you? Because I think a lot of our listeners are also waiting for that. Like, what should I do? What can I do to heal?
0: Sure, absolutely. Um, The one thing that helped me tremendously then, and even still today, and I do this every day, is a form of mindfulness meditation. And there's a couple of different ways to engage in a mindfulness meditation, whether you want to do the breathing uh, and the breath work, or if you want to engage in what I'll call a moving meditation. Um, I'm a runner, uh, and I have other uh, clients and some friends that they are involved with either physical exercise, whether they have a personal trainer, or whether they're with a colleague, Um, and also um, just even having a hobby. Getting yourself involved in other activities that you know they make your heart flutter, they make your eyes you know light up. Uh, It gives you that level of excitement within yourself. Um, You know, I like to describe sometimes you know people that love to cook. If you watch someone that loves to cook, they're in their own world, they're in their own zone, and that's a form of meditation. You watch someone even that gardens or a man that loves to build something from scratch to make it into something amazing. He's in his own zone. And that's a form of mindfulness meditation. Um, It's applying your heart center space with your cognizant mind. And the marriage of the two creates that synergistic frequency within the body, which releases the endorphins of the brain. And then you learn a different space of yourself. And that space is compassion. That space is empathetic. The space is joy. And doing that consistently you're going to change the repetition of not only your habits, but the way that you think.
1: Uh, Yeah, they say neurons that fire together wire together, right? So if Mm -hmm. we're having depressive thoughts, like, I know, sometimes people ask questions, like, I've been guilty of this as well. Like, why me? Why do I always have this bad thing happen to me? Right? If we ask those kind of questions, guess what, the universe will answer it. Mm -hmm. We're basically asking the universe as if it's a Google um, site. And then it'll tell you, well, you know, it's happening to you because you're lousy. (laughs) Right. (laughs) So be really careful the kind of question you send out to the universe. So I think you're pointing to do things that bring you a lot of joy because then you're firing more of the joyful circuits. Right. Firing more of the gratitude circuits. I love cooking. My mind is in the cooking. It's no longer worried about all the things that I should have done, could have done, would have done. Right. That's not not the kind of wiring that we want. So do more of the things that make you happy and then you Absolutely. become a happier person.
0: Absolutely. It also lowers the cortisol levels, which is the stress hormone, which at the, at that completion, you're able to you know have or gain uh, better clarity. You're able to make better conscious decisions for yourself. And that might be, I'm in a toxic relationship. And coming to that realization that my stress hormones are down, and you don't have to say that to yourself, but because you're enjoying the spaces of what you're putting yourself into, and you're becoming mindful of your in wor- your world and your space, lowering the cortisol levels, you open up that sector of saying, I enjoy this, or that relationship makes me feel drained. That relationship, when I leave that person, I don't feel good about myself. And I deserve to feel good about myself. Or when you leave this relationship, wow, you know what? I miss that person. And I can't wait to see or talk to them again, Um, whether it's obviously on Zoom. But there's different ways to engage with people nowadays. But understanding that when you're relating with somebody, paying attention to how you feel when you're with them or when you're speaking with them and how you feel afterwards is truly, truly important because that also helps to define whether or not they are toxic for you.
1: Wow. That is really powerful. I wish that people really paid attention to what you just said, because our body doesn't lie. Like our mind sometimes could lie or emotions could lie, but our body and how we feel, if we walk out of a conversation with somebody and we're tense everywhere, like tense in the, the, the throat, <laughs> tense in the chest, tense in the stomach, which is the way I felt growing up, mm-hmm. that's telling you something, right? A lot of times yeah. when we're tense in the throat, it's like there's injustice, massive injustice, yeah. there. And then the stomach is like, you know, the nerve is so we're so nervous. It's all like cinched up. Mm-hmm. If we're at a job where we're constantly feeling this tightness and maybe it's not the healthiest environment. So always exactly. double click into that.
0: Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Your truth is always going to be your body. Your your body always communicates with you. Um, it's a silent communication. So that's where honing into that space of communication with oneself is truly important and helps to get you away from the narcissist. It helps to get helps you divine the uh, excuse me, define the boundary with somebody maybe that is a parent or someone that you do want to keep in your life, but you know that you have to just kind of take a little bit of a distance and say, this is where I can health, you know, have a healthy relationship with you. And this is the distance that I can go to.
1: I love that. So Terry, thank you so much for coming on the show today. Your story is so in depth and just resonated with me so well. Everything that you just said, if people want to get in touch with you to get your help in topics like this, or whether it's mindset or performance, how would they find you?
0: Um, absolutely. Thank you. So thanks for having me on as well. Uh, I've enjoyed the conversation with you too. Uh, people can get in touch with me either through an email, um, which I can, it's terry at terryrosella.com. They can find me on, uh, the IAW website, International Association of Women. Uh, you can also find me on LinkedIn. Those are going to be the three uh, best outlets to, to reach me on.
1: That's perfect. I'll put all of that in the show notes. So you can all just look, look into the links down there. And if you like today's episode, please like and subscribe and, and comment to like, let us know what you like about it and what you like to hear more. We're always excited to hear from you because what you tell us drives the content. Our goal here is to help everybody heal. And then if we heal, we can end the cycle. And then we don't have to see any more kids being abused. That's really the goal from the bottom of our our heart for Life is Love School. So thank you, everybody. Thank you.